Hey. Hey. I'm Liza. And I'm Riss. And this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. Finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. I almost said when we just started, I almost said I'm Riss and then I was like, no, I'm not. (laughs) You could be. Sometimes when I listen, I think we're starting to like sound like each other because sometimes when I listen back to the podcast, I'm like, I don't know which one of us is talking. Me too. Like, especially when I'm editing, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I want to go back and like change this part or something. And I have to, and I'm like, oh, I remember that I was speaking. Right. And then I like go back to try to do it. And I'm like, is this me or is this Liza right now? <laughs> we sound the same. Oops. We're twins. We be we came from the same womb. We did in like an alien womb. Me, you, and P. There was actually just like a a weird placenta thing in the ground, and that's where we came from. Oh my god! Wait, I kind of love that actually. Um, not really lit news, but kind of lit news. But I just wanted to ask you, have you watched Under the Banner of Heaven yet? Mm-mm. Oh, I heard that. what is that? OK, so I just finished it last night. It's a TV show on Hulu that's based off of the John Krakauer novel of the same name. Not novel, John Krakauer book. I apologize. Yes. It's nonfiction, obviously, um, as Mr. Krakauer does. And it's about this murder that happened in the mormon community in the 80s it is the craziest story first of all um but the tv show was incredible it was andrew garfield was the star and then daisy edgar jones from normal people was also in it one of the stars Every, the, it was honestly a star-studded cast, but it was so good and so stressful and so, like, scary, even though it was real. Like, it's a true crime show, but it was truly harrowing, and all the religious aspects of it were just so scary. Kind of like Midnight Mass, but not, like, actually, no demons or anything, but, like, just the evil of people when they get too religious it was amazing i think you would love it i'm gonna watch it i'm excited you should also watch keep sweet pray and obey which is a netflix documentary about the so so in under the banner of heaven they started out as lds which is latter-day saints and then in keep sweet Pray and Obey, which is a real documentary, not fiction. Um, It is FLDS, so the Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. That show was equally as traumatizing. The last episode made me sick to my stomach. Definitely trigger warning for SA and especially of minors. But if you are intrigued by like the Mormon church and all the crazy stuff they do. Hells yeah. Watch it. Like religious horror at its finest, even though both of the things in the shows actually happened. Crazy times. That'd be scary. But yeah, that's kind of lit news because it's based on a book. Slit news. Is there any other slit news? <laughs> Sounds gross. It does. Um, I don't like it. Um, not off the top of my noggin. Not off the top of my noggin either. Once again, I'll say everyone go make sure you see the black phone. Did you see it? Not yet. Oh my God. I'm seeing the most mixed reviews because I've seen like, okay, I've seen some people say it's the scariest movie they've seen in years. I've seen some people say it was like a horror comedy. 
I've seen some people say it wasn't good. I've seen some people say it was like pretty mild, but it was really good. And I'm like, what is the truth? I'm not expecting it to be the scariest thing. I'm expecting it to be more creepy than scary. I mean, I think it could be. What was that movie um, where the guy was all the different personalities? He had split. He had yes, split. Love that film. I'm thinking um, kind of horror like that. Mm. With with the guy, how like he was kind of funny sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's I think it's gonna be like that. Okay, that's that's honestly sometimes my favorite kind of movie. So I will say my for you page on TikTok is solely Eddie and Steve from Stranger Things edits and Ethan Hawke from the Black Phone. And I was like, what is going on? That's that's we don't need to know what's going on. No, we're just going to go with it. Mm hmm. I want blessed. We were blessed. I wonder if some people are really traumatized by I think I wonder if some people think Black Phone is so scary because they're so traumatized by Ethan Hawke in Sinister. Mm, Maybe that they like just associate Ethan Hawke with terror. Maybe, maybe, perhaps have this just I don't know what this came up. Have you ever seen Dr. Sleep? Yes. Is it good? I liked Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Because okay. I really want to watch it. And I heard it's like very scary. And I was like, OK, slay. I didn't think it was very scary. I heard like that the one kid's performance was like terrifying. OK, yes. I would give it that. Um, but it's it's scary. I'm trying to think something that it's like along the lines of scary. I think it's more like the the like monster in that movie is less scary to me for some reason. And what's actually happening is like the scary part. Mm. If that makes sense. It's the same level of scary as The Shining. Yeah, but different. OK, because like I'm not really The Shining doesn't like scare me. Like it does, but it does. Like I was like, like, you have to think about it for it to be scary. Right. Right. That's that's how I feel about dr sleep okay which i I haven't read the book so i don't know right that would compare but the shining so much scarier than the movie and we all know how i feel about that so yes that we do Eh. (laughs) um but our theme this week is not horror but i don't know Mm -hmm. if your book is horror mine isn't a little bit okay um what is our theme this week miss water water so i got the idea for this theme thinking about aruba and things about aruba and remembering when i read red clocks because there was a lot of kind of ocean waves that it wasn't central to the book but it was and it kind of mimicked um emotions and that book felt very much like being on a boat to me very like up and down and up and down and up and down um and so this could have been I guess this theme if we thought about it it could have been more up to interpretation because I'm sure some people would read red clocks and be like this does not feel like a boat ride to me and like yeah there's water in it but maybe it's not as much as I feel that it is but either way, our theme is water and books that evoke water-like feelings. And so for this week, I read The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh. And I read Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Beautiful. This is the second Taylor Jenkins Reid book I've read, and I plan on reading a third. And then her another one of her books comes out in... August. Um, I'm not going to read any of her old books because they're not really my style, but her new books, her newer books are really cool. They're all historical fiction, but they're 
fake people, which I think is so fun. Um, so the one I read before this was Daisy Jones and the Six, which was about a fictional rock band. This one, Malibu Rising, is about um, a family of famous surfers who are the children of a famous singer. Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which I'm going to read next, is about an old um, Hollywood, old Hollywood actress star. And the one coming out in August is about a famous tennis player. All these people are fake. The other really cool thing about these books is the same, they're the same universe. So the one character, Mick Riva, who is the parent of the kids in Malibu Rising, is in Daisy Jones and the Six and the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And then the star of the new book coming out in August, the tennis player, is in Malibu Rising. She's like the girlfriend of um, one of the characters, the mistress of one of the characters' husbands in Malibu Rising. That's a little bit confusing, but I think that's really cool. And like I said, like I think we're seeing an author in an example of like a second com I want to say like second coming of Christ, like Taylor Jenkins Reid, like she used to write like romances, very, I would say similar to Colleen Hoover, which no Tino shade, but very much not my style, uh, not for Marissa and I. And now she's in this other sort of wave, I guess, of her writer life. Um, and I think she's doing some really cool shit. Um, so, Malibu Rising is not it's it's not like I feel like I almost always read like horror and, and, and mystery. It is none of that. It is very like regular. And Daisy Jones and the Six was too. Um, but it all takes place in one night. It has you have like a countdown clock, basically, um, with each chapter. And, you know, from the first sentence that the night ends in a fire, in a house fire. And you know that the whole night is taking place at a party. And I feel like that was such a cool way to start a book. And it bu builds up the suspense, like right from the beginning. I kind of loved when you know the ending before the ending. I just think it's really cool. So it takes place at a party at these famous surfer kids house. And it's going to end in a fire. And that's all that's what you need to know. So I'll jump right into it for readability. I gave this book a nine. Um, I read this book whilst in Aruba. And let me just check how long it actually took me to finish it. It took me three days to finish it. If you know me, you know I'm actually a really slow reader. So anytime I finish a book in like under five days, I'm like, you know, it was very good readability wise. I feel like all my books in my like top books so far of 2022 are books that I finished like super quick just because they were so readable. Um, like I said, this book is suspenseful because you already know the ending. And you literally are just, I don't know, there's like, it's almost, it's a very dramatic book, honestly. Like, it still feels very, like, classy and literary, but there, it's almost like so, like, there's this drama after drama after drama happening, um, which I think really keeps you reading. And I'll get into that a little bit more when I talk about plot and what I, one of the things that I really think is one of the stars of the these um, books. And, and her books in general, which is characterization. Um, but yeah, this book is a binge book, y'all. Like if you, I think this could be a perfect book to bring on a beach vacation with you. Anything that has to do with water is always perfect for the beach. But like, honestly, if you're going to be at the beach for like seven hours, you could finish this, like you could plow through this book. Definitely bring it on vacation with you. For, um... What is this language and style? This is one of the few places where I didn't. I have two thoughts. I gave her a seven for language and style. Here's the tea. I think her dialogue is perfect. I literally have no notes for her dialogue. Uh, it's some of the most natural dialogue I've ever seen. There's nothing strange about it, which I know Marissa and I are both big fans of strange dialogue, but this is just incredibly natural dialogue. Um, Daisy Jones and the Six is actually written like a script, and which I think is really cool. So there's not really any description. It's literally, we'll just say like Daisy, and then we'll have all of her like talking. 
and then we'll have like the next character and the next character. Um, and so the dialogue in that was, of course, really natural. So I wasn't really sure what to expect when that's the first book of hers I read. Now I'm reading this one that is more classic novel style. Um, but her dialogue was just as amazing in Malibu Rising, super believable. The only th reason I give her a seven instead of a any higher is other than her dialogue, nothing else is really that interesting about her style. She does have some really beautiful moments, but overall it's just a very classic, simple writing style. It keeps you reading, but it's not the kind of thing that you're going to be like, like, for example, when I was reading like the book from last week, the Van Apple girls are gone. I wish I had like a highlighter with me because I would have been like going in and highlighting stuff. That's how good the writing was. Whereas this, it's not that type of book. However, I feel like that does add to the readability of it because you're not really stopping and thinking. You're just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Keep it going, which is necessary for some kinds of books, I think. Um, so I don't think it's anything that should really be criticized, but it's also not something that needs to be like noted. I will say the only thing that does annoy me about Taylor Jenkins Reid is she loves to describe a outfit every detail of the outfit and it does remind me of fan fiction when she does that it's nice because it paints a really good picture and because they're historical fiction it is cool to see what the fashion like looked like in that time period so Malibu Rising takes place in the 80s Daisy Jones took place in the 70s so like it is fun to be able to picture it but I wish she didn't just say I wish she showed us what somebody was wearing instead of told us what everybody was wearing and i don't think she has to do it with everybody it was a little bit gimmicky at certain points but that's really the only like note i would have um the only other place where i ranked her on the lower end of the high side of the scale is um uh, form i gave it a seven it i thought the form was really i, I thought it worked perfect for the book was it doing something i had never seen before absolutely not it was so I, first of all, I will say I love that it all took place in one night. I love that each chapter was hour by hour counting down to um, like seven in the morning, I think is when it ends. It also has the the other thing about this book is it is in the present. The front story is this party at the kid's house. The back story is the love story of their parents. So it does flip back and forth between the front story and the backstory. I think this works really well for this book because the backstory is sort of as dramatic as the front story in a lot of ways. The backstory offers a lot of like, you can see why people are the way that they are in the front story. So I think it was really important. I liked it, but the only reason I give it a seven instead of like an eight or a nine is because I we've seen that happen a lot and like, that's okay. But I didn't think it was like highly experimental or noteworthy i guess shelf worthiness read again um i gave this book an eight um i think it's definitely shelf worthy i think i probably would read it again just because i had such a fun time reading it it's definitely up there with some of my favorite books i read so far in 2022 which i just hit 30 books y'all i've read 30 books so far in 2022 and this is definitely in my top 10 so far who knows if it will stay up there we'll see i liked it even better than Daisy Jones in the Six, if that's any, like, if anybody is going to also read all of her new books and wants to know about that. I think they're also making this into a TV show. They are making Daisy Jones in the Six into a movie, but let me see if they're making Malibu Rising. I don't know if they are. I could be lying. Yeah, Malibu Rising, it's going to be a Hulu TV show. So that's kind of cool. I'm assuming it's going to be a mini series because it all takes place in one night, obviously. I think they're also turning The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo into a movie. So Taylor Jenkins Reid is getting her coin. Good for her. For plot, I gave this book an eight. Um, like I said, this book was extremely readable. Um, the plot was super dramatic. There was a lot going on, but none of it felt unnecessary. Like, I feel like sometimes when something is dramatic, it can feel soapy. I don't know why I always think of like, these aren't books, but like Grey's Anatomy or even like Degrassi, where you're like, this many things can't happen to one group of people. It just doesn't make sense. But this book, like it all made um, really perfect 
sense to me. And I think it wouldn't have been the same level of intrigue in the plot if it was taking place over a lot, like um, more than one night. I think the fact that we were watching all this unravel in one night and also getting all this backstory in one night made the plot that much better. It did have twists and turns. Um, I really like the end of the book. Um, I like what she did with it. And, but I really think the star of the show in this book is the characters. So I gave this book a nine for characterization. I was invested in all of these characters. Um, they all felt, there felt like there was character growth, but they all also felt like they stuck very true to themselves throughout the book, which I think is really important. Um, it's an ensemble cast, which I always really like like I'm thinking back to by the way the inheritance of Orchidia Divina just came out in paperback slay um that was one of the first books I did on the podcast and I remember just being really struck by the the ensemble cast in that book and how great everybody was um and this is another one of those books where it's an it's a great ensemble cast even if you don't like certain people they're like so real that you understand them. Even the characters that are bad, there's no like villains in this book, I wanna say, but like even the characters that are bad, like you totally like um, understand everything that they do. I don't know. I think the one thing that's really cool about Taylor Jenkins Reid is she makes up these fake historical figures and or fake celebrities and she only puts these little pieces of them in the book, but I can say I'm like with like almost certainty that I think she like imagines every aspect of them. Like it's almost like she's making these real people like they feel re like you're, you're reading this and you're like, I'm confused. Were these people real or no? And I think that's like such a testament to her, um, I guess, talent as a writer that she can craft these characters that you forget are, are fake. Yeah, I love the I love these characters. Um, every time, especially our main character, all the different emotions these characters go through, like you really just like feel it with them. So yeah, that's why I gave this book a nine for characterization. I guess I didn't really talk about water that much, but this book is the water aspect of it is really cool. So obviously it takes place in Malibu. And they're surfers. So that's like pretty freaking self-explanatory. Um, and it ends in a fire, which I think is really interesting. Like the the dichotomy between water and fire, which are like each other's natural enemies and water being the only thing that can really get rid of fire. But there's other aspects of water that I actually don't want to spoil um, because it is, you start to suspect that one of the characters is no longer with you with them in the front story, but you don't know how. And I don't want to say what happens, but water is something that is both life-saving and life-shattering to the characters in this book. And like some of the most devastating scenes happen on the water, but also, you know, like as surfers, like water is their life force. Like it's all they care about. Um, when it really comes down to it. So yeah, that's kind of what I'll say about water. Also, this book does have um, some queer representation, which I think is always fun. And I feel like it was like pretty like, I don't know, sometimes I think with historical fiction, you can be like, why is this all straight white people? Um, but that didn't really feel like the case in this book, which I feel like is also just important to know. And I think the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo is the same um, in terms of like, characters of color and queer characters um because we shouldn't just be reading books that are all like like you you shouldn't have to when you read historical fiction it shouldn't have to be all white people like that's stupid like there it wasn't always just, just white people um so that's like another thing i guess i want to point out i think the main family is white in this book I mean, I just, um, I, 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 something, something tells me they were white. They have white people energy. Um, but yeah, really fun, really fun book. I loved it. Read it. It's fun. You'll have a fun time. It'll be good. And that's all she wrote. Woo! No, that does sound interesting. I don't know how I didn't put together that that was the same author who wrote all those books. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, they are all very different. Like, even though they're the same, they're different. 
Yeah. Yes. So, and it's, I feel like I've only just recently became better at authors and writers, their names. Mm -hmm. Usually it's like book cover and I'm like, okay, that's the book. But yeah. And her stuff do be selling. It do be selling. It do be selling. People always be buying it at work. Wonderful. Well, so for my water book, I read The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh. And let me just say, ladies and gentlemen, this book had me effed up. I finished it last week and it only took me a couple days to read it. I flew through it. So pretty much the premise of this book is there's a family, there's a husband, a wife, and their three daughters. And they live on an island where women are protected from the violence of men. And the father, his name, his name is King. He's the only man on the island. And there was kind of, this would be, they lived in a place where women would come, women from like the quote mainland, which we don't really know much about, um, would come to this island and they would go through really intense therapies and rituals. They would have like screaming therapies. And I think the what the daughters are led to believe and also the readers, and I have no reason to think otherwise, is that um, these women have been traumatized by men. And once you leave the island, your way to leave and to be like fully cured of whatever tragedy happened to you, you have to get water cured. And yeah, so that's, that is the thought behind this island, but it's something that we don't get to actively see in the book. It's more like we see it through characters thinking about it because in the present, in the book, the women are no longer coming. And one day King goes out to get supplies and disappears, never comes back. And then the three daughters are kind of navigating that with the mom. And then three men wash up on the island, two men actually, and then um, a young boy, child. And once they come, then these young girls are exposed to like men and hormones and feelings and um lots of crazy things and who knows what'll happen i do because i read the book but you guys don't um i would say it's it is a fun ride this book is so yeah let's get into this so for readability i gave it a nine really short chapters some of them are not even a full page and most of them are no longer than two pages they go really fast they're they're real digestible okay i finished this book in three days um real fast i could not put it down could not stop thinking about it because a lot of it is like I said, the the parts about the women and the therapies, because that is thought of kind of, and we don't really get to see it firsthand. It's almost like, I don't know, I like craved it. Like I would put this book down and be like, I wonder what that kind of society would look like and what that would do and and what therapies for women like that actually would be like. Um This book is very, I should say, it is, I would consider it a dystopian. I would consider it a a feminist revenge dystopian fantasy. (laughs) So could not put it down. It was definitely stuck in my head. I wanted to know what was happening every second. And although the daughters are, you don't really know how old they are. I think the one daughter, Grace, the oldest one, I think she's 29 or 30. And she, so since she's the oldest, I'm believing that the other girls are all in their twenties, but they're very, since they haven't been exposed to like anything, but being daughters and sisters, they are super naive. And 
Um, I should also say trigger warning for this book for there's a lot of abuse that happens in this book. Um, the parents put the daughters through a lot of they consider them like therapies, like rituals. There's a couple where they burn them. There's a couple where they have to be underwater for long periods of time. And they believe that this is making them stronger and that it's cleansing them of the toxins that come through from the mainland. So, so yeah, for language and style, I'm going to give this a 7.5 and I'm going to read a couple things. And so let me think. I believe I'm going to read. I'm going to talk about this more in form too, but I'm just going to mention it right now. Okay, so I'm going to read one quote from part one and then two quotes from part two. And I will explain that more in a hot second. When the damaged women saw King for the first time, they often recoiled, man. But our mother explained that here was a man who had renounced the world. Here was a man who recognized the dangers. Here was a man who put his women and children first. Away from the toxins, a man's body could swell and developed unchecked. That was why King was so tall. We thought the hair on the top of his head might grow back too, but it turned out that was a damage that could not be reversed. And then this is the second quote. So this is from part two. By the next morning, we noticed disturbances in the feminine fabric. Subtle warps, new ways of doing things, like the men standing in the shallows with weapons they have made themselves, knives strapped to sticks that have fallen in the forest, the water lapping at their knees. Grace has not yet come to terms with their presence. She says to me, hopefully, as we watch them from our recliners, it would be exciting if a shark killed them. And lastly... This is the third quote, also from the second section. On the fourth day without mother, I wake to the empty bed. My first action is to pull the covers off to inspect the sheets feverishly for proof Lou was there at all. There are dark hairs on the pillow shorter than mine. I bury my face into it, but we are all using the same soaps, unlabeled slabs of carbolic salmon pink and fat in the palm. I look for salt hardened on the pillowcase to prove that he was crying, but my search is inconclusive. More hairs on the sheets, the faint scent of sweat. My stomach turns without warning. I strip the bed and pile the sheets in the middle of the floor. I run a bath so hot that sitting down in it is almost unbearable, but I do it anyways. I think of the phrase pain threshold like it's a vault you jump. I have forgotten to open the window and steam fills the room in no time. So that's a little bit of that for you. So I thought that the language in this book was so beautiful. Not only is it delicate, I would say, but it's so powerful. And it's also, it's really, it's hard sometimes when you're writing women and specific women, such as like daughters, for example. I don't know. I feel like people think of daughters and they're like, oh, they're either perfect or they're whores. And I mean, like in this book, these are people who love each other, but who also have moments where they hate each other. And um, there's like one quote in the book that's like, for a second, I hate her. And then I remember I'm supposed to love her. And I look into her eyes and I will myself to love her. Like something really beautiful like that. There's also like a lot of points where the children fantasize about hurting their mom and hurting each other and fighting. And I mean, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say I've ever like thought about hurting my mom, but there are times when I'm like, Jesus Christ, mom. You know what I mean? I think everyone just has those moments where you're like, these are people who I'm supposed to love, but currently right now I'm not feeling totally positive feelings for them. 
yeah, I think the book was really real in that way. As you get later into the book, one of the sisters begins to feel feelings for one of the men and you get this. I don't know if I've ever had a book so accurately like depict how I sometimes feel in relationships. And I don't know if that's a good thing because she's so naive and she and she just like loves this man. She just loves him. She does stupid things. I can't even say they're stupid. She just does things out of love. And she doesn't understand when she's being too much or whatever. And she doesn't understand that just because he has shown interest in her doesn't mean that she's that he's interested in her because men. Um, so, yeah. So I give this a 7.5. The style, I thought it was beautiful. I think it was this the perfect book for me to read at the moment that I read it. For form, I gave it a six, but I actually, I'm going to move it up to a seven. So for form, it gets a seven. So let's talk about this really fast. It's separated into three parts. Part one is called father. Part two is called men. And part three is called sisters, which is, it tells a story itself. So for part one, it jumps from point of view between the sisters And then there's some little chapters that are all three of them at once. And so I thought that was really, really cool to have like a point of view from we. And that often talked about, um, you know, feelings about King or mother and therapies and things like that. But yeah, so, so usually for the first part it's either grace's point of view leah's point of view or all three of them um grace leah and sky and also i should say some of the names in this book i had no idea how to pronounce like the one daughter her name's l-i-a and i'm like we're just gonna go with leah that just sounds right Um, And then the one guy in the book, his name is L-L-E-W. And I was like, Lou. But then there's a point where he says his name's hard to pronounce and he doesn't, he's not worried if the girls can't pronounce it. And then the one girl's like, I'm going to practice so that I can do it. And I was like, oh, then his name's definitely not Lou. (laughs) Whatever it is. If anyone knows how to pronounce it, I would like to know. Um, Yeah. So then part two, which is men, it takes place it's completely from leah's point of view but before each little chapter it has quotes from um this book that they have that i think the old women who did therapies used to come there and do therapies would write their experiences in this book and so some of them are scary let me see if i could find one to read This one is interesting. Every day I walked past him and every day he shouted at me across the traffic and every day I wilted under it. Headphones and scarf wound over my ears. He made his shouts louder. He came right up to me so I could lip read. I fantasized about killing him daily and it felt incredibly good. Um, You know, women things that are really interesting. So, so yeah. So the other thing about form part one reminded me a lot of as I lay dying. Um, But then once you get into part two, it's not as I lay dying anymore, which I thought was really interesting, but I don't, I can't like pinpoint what the second part reminds me of. And then um, for part three, part three starts in grace's perspective and then ends in all three sisters perspective which was the perfect way to end it with grace and then the three of them so for form i gave this a seven 
Shelf worthy read again, 8.5. This is definitely staying on my shelf. And I think, yes, I think that people should read this. Yes, I think that I will read it again um, eventually. I will just say that like reading it made me hate men. I had a good couple of days where I was literally like, anything that my boyfriend is currently saying to me, I do not believe him. I don't believe anything he's saying to me. He could literally look me in the face and be like, the sky is blue. And I would be like, you are the worst liar I've ever seen in my entire life. Don't even look at me again. Yeah, it it put me in a funk just because I felt like. Don't trust people, just don't trust people. So, yeah, so. This book had me a little bit effed up for a while, but. If you're okay with that, then hey, do that. That's fine. Um, but also, you got to think. I I would say that um, I also read it around a date that was significant, and I also read it um, when all these Supreme Court things are happening. So of course, I was feeling extra some type of way. And it is what it is. Did I cry at the end? No. This book. Instead of giving me cry, it gave me extreme satisfaction. And like, how often do you get like a very emotional feminist book that gives you satisfaction at the end? Not many. And so I think if you need that little punch, go pick this up, guys. Um, For plot, I'm going to give it a seven. Super interesting, super original. I did not know what was happening, what was going to happen. I didn't guess anything. There were a couple of things that I was like, mm. but I think that there are some things that um, the daughters are obviously not getting that the reader knows. And it kind of is a reflection on their, on how naive they are. So I think that that was kind of meant to be but I didn't feel like there were any loose ends. And I mean, the end was kind of like, who knows what'll happen after this, but it wasn't like, I don't need to know what's going to happen. I am trusting what happens after that. I don't need to know if that made sense. So plot seven for characterization. I also gave it a seven. I loved all of the sisters. And I understood I understood the how that they were conditioned to be and how they were brought up and why they were doing the things that they were doing. And I thought that the men were very realistic, let me just say, King included. So so I think that that's all I have to say about that. I will say this book like I said, hurt me a little bit. I'm going to give it an eight on our, our pain scale because ouch. And that's all I have to say about that. That I want to read that book really bad. Yeah, Liza, I think you would love it. Especially, like I said, the thing that really drew me into it was that first section. I was like, this weirdly reminds me of As I Lay Dying. Which we love. Love. When we're the only people I know other than Sam Hunt that love that book. Which, Why? All of our friends hate that book. It's so... It's amazing. Yeah. It's one of the best books I read whilst in college, like, for class. I will agree. Like, that and Beloved. Yeah, I didn't... I feel like I didn't start reading, like, really, really good books for class until, like, senior year. Oh, yeah. A little bit junior year, yeah. Yeah, whenever I took my feminist fiction class, I did read a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's where I read Red Clocks for the first time. But Okay. Have you read Fever Dream? Yes. Okay, thank fucking God. Okay. Well, I read that on my own. Okay. Lexi was like, you have to read it. And I was like, okay, Lexi, anything you say. And it slays. So good. Have you guys read Fever Dream? Go, go read Fever Dream. What are you oh, doing? Fever Dream. She has another book, too. Um... That's a collection of short stories um, that I'm forgetting the name. 
but she's a really cool author. Go read a book, everybody, by a cool fucking feminist bitch. Go do it. Um, hey, what are we doing next week? Next week, me and Shliza are going to finish off the Aruba tapes um, with a theme of heat. I'm excited. I are you excited? I'm excited. I haven't started my book yet, so I'm like, I hope that this has heat in it. But if it doesn't, hey, guess what, guys? I'm going to do it. Because the book that I'm reading next week, I'm going to read, uh, I'm reading Wilder Girls by Rory, what's her last name? Rory Power. Love it. That's a beautiful name. Um, and I will say... I don't know if it has heat in it. I don't know very much about it. But what I do know is that I put up an Instagram poll and people picked that. Like a lot of people wanted me to read that. So we're reading it. We're going to do it. Yeah, it's on our summer horror table at work. I think people will really like it. I'm excited for you. What about you, Shliza? I'm reading, uh, I read, I just finished it yesterday, a book called New Animal by Ella Baxter, um, which, like the Van Apple Girls Are Gone, takes place in Australia, and it takes place in Tasmania for most of the book, actually. And it was very interesting. I liked it. It's not for everybody, that's for sure. Um, But that's what we like to see. I think Marissa would like it. Um... Yeah, and it was really freaking cool. And the main character, all I'll say is, um, the main character is a mortuary makeup artist, which Ooh. is like a dream. I want to be her. Not actually, because she. I don't want to be her. <laughs> but I would like to be a mortuary makeup artist if I could. Um, so yeah, what fun. Can't wait. What other books do you think you're, I was just thinking, like, I just finished that book and I was like, looking at my tbr the next book in my tbr is the woman in Bla- like the next like book like that's like closest to me like it was purchased the longest ago is the woman in black like the horror book and i was like that could be fun is is the movie based off that yeah oh and i didn't I know there was that. a book I that's cool that. and like um it's just a short little thing i love that the book that's closest to me right now is horror store and I feel like I can knock this out in like a day or two. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, so I'm probably going to read Horror Store after Wilder Girls. And then after Horror Store, I'm going to jump right into My Heart is a Chainsaw, which I'm so excited for. Can I even say something that I am? I'm, I'm, it makes me so happy. Our summer horror table at book at work has three different Stephen Graham Jones books on it. And I was like, he's the new horror person. Like he is the face of, I feel like commercial horror books. And it makes me so happy that a native American has effectively replaced, not replaced, just like stepped above white male authors who just like dominate horror like the fact that it's a native american who has some of the best horror books that are out right now just makes me so freaking happy and i mean the main character for my heart is a chainsaw which which the only good indians it blew up but i haven't heard much about it since right um it is on one of our i think we do also have a summer horror table at work and it is on that um but my heart is a chainsaw has it blew up and it has been consistent with it and the main character is a woman i love that it's so i've i literally the way people talk about my heart is a chainsaw it seems like it's like the best horror book in anybody's recent yes memory like i'm not saying we need a new stephen king but like we kind of need a new person who's like gonna be coming out with the hits like stephen king was yeah And I think it is time for Stephen King to step back. Um, And I don't think I love Joe Hill, but I don't think he is the person that can or should be the new face of horror because he's doing something a little bit different. Right. And it shouldn't be like Stephen King shouldn't be 
preceded by his own kid. Yes. And I'm I'm also just his kid who obviously both of his parents are writers and he came from a place of wealth, unfortunately. Right. Whereas like Stephen Graham Jones did not. No, and POC. And POC. It's just so cool. The, the three books we have on the table are My Heart is a Chainsaw, The Only Good Indians, and The Mongrels. And I had never heard of The Mongrels. And it looks really good. He has one called like the the mannequins wake at night or something yeah. and i really want to read that one and it's so small it's but so it's small. so cool i want to read that and mapping the interior because both of them are like a hundred pages and i'm like let me just get a little tasty taste sometimes it's nice to just have a something small like that i think so too i love also i love horror books that are short yes me too i'm sure there's some exceptions like i know everybody loves house of leaves is that what it's called I, yeah, I've, it's on my shelf right, right there. See this big one? Yes. That's it. Try to get into it two separate times and I can't, but it's because you have to flip a lot. It's very interactive. And for some reason, my brain's like, I don't know why. Um, I do wonder though, if one of the reasons why Stephen Graham Jones is doing so good is because I know my heart is a chainsaw is slasher. And while um, the only good Indians could be considered almost creature. Yeah. It was also like hunt and kill. Sure. So it was slashery. So I just wonder if there's being like a slasher revival. I know uh, the final girl support group was big. Final girls is big right now. So I'm like, maybe that's just what we're moving towards. And Stephen King has never done anything like that. No, I really, truly think that there is a slasher revival and it makes me so happy. And I really think we should have a whole episode where we somehow figure out how to talk about slasher because I truly honestly believe that slasher comes back in times of social unrest. Yeah, we should definitely do a whole episode on that. That'll be fun. We could do we could do Halloween in July. <gasps> FF Christmas in July. Halloween in July. There's only a f- like how many days until Halloween? We need to know. I love summer, but I need to know how many days there are until Halloween. How many days until Halloween? 123 days, 11 hours, and one minute until Halloween. We are getting there, besties. I love it. We just like to be in a silly, spooky mood. All of the time. All of the time. We're silly spooky girls. We can't help it. We can't take it off. It's in my blood. Just be excited for next week and go see the black phone. Go see the black phone. That's your homework. Mm -hmm. And we love you guys. Bye.